2 Samuel chapter 9. You know, a lot of times in, uh, in my own life, whenever I read the scriptures, I like to, I just naturally seem to do it for whatever reason. It's, it's not exactly right, but uh, I will naturally put myself in the position of a certain character in the Bible who I would consider is good, like David. Read read about David, like, yeah, praise God. Like David, praise God. Man, after God's own heart, that's me. I'm just like David. And in reality, I'm actually in another place in Scripture. And it's not David. What I'm actually like what God views me as because of my own sinful heart my own wicked heart isn't like David Second Samuel chapter 9 if you're there say amen. amen it says and David said is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Are you Ziba? And he said, Your servant is here. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. The king David sent, then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold your servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed before him, and he bowed himself, and said, "What is what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am?" Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, "I have given unto your master's son all that pertained to Saul, and to all his house. You therefore, and your sons, and your servants shall till the land for him." And you shall bring in the fruits that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king commanded his servant, so shall your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Uh -huh. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, 
for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. <clears throat> Let's go to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy, Lord God. Thank you for the new covenant, Lord. Thank you for everything that we have in Christ. Lord, we just ask that you would have your way this morning in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, in this service, Lord, that you would uh, bring a word in due season, Father God, that you would give revelation knowledge, Lord, open our eyes to what the Spirit is saying, Lord, and Lord, anoint me that I might uh, glorify Christ, glorify your name in a mighty way, Lord, that I would decrease and that you would increase, Lord, that there would be a demonstration of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Lord, that the teacher would come, that the preacher would come, Lord, the Holy Spirit to teach and to preach to us, Lord God, and that you would encourage us and edify us, Lord, and reveal Christ to us in a greater way than we've ever seen him before, Lord God. And we just say and ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. voice may be gone by the end of all of this. So we're pretty much going to look at chapter 9 of 2 Samuel, and I'm going to bring out some different types uh, just to reveal uh, a really a beautiful meaning behind chapter 9 and actually where uh, I fit in chapter 9. But it's not just me, but it's you as well. And it's actually a pretty good place. Amen. It's a pretty good place to be. So in verse 1 it says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So what it's referring to is the covenant that Jonathan and David made between one another in 1 Samuel chapter 18. In verses 1 through 4. So I'm going to get there real quick. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Verses 1 through 4. It says, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. So Jonathan recognized that David was who God had chosen to be king, even though Jonathan would have been next in line to be king because Jonathan was the son of Saul. So Jonathan was next in line to be king, but Jonathan recognized that God didn't choose him. He chose David. So Jonathan, when he took off his garment and everything and gave it to David, that was just showing, hey, I'm not the choice here. It's you, and I relinquish it over to you, David. Lord for John. Amen. The covenant consisted of the idea that whatever belonged to one belonged to the other. 
when David and Jonathan made this covenant, <coughs> it included the members of their family. Even uh, ever how many members there were, David remembers the covenant and now seeks to carry it out by blessing any relative of Jonathan, whom Mephibosheth would have been a son of Jonathan. David sent out to find anyone that was kin to Saul or Jonathan due to the covenant he made with Jonathan. So David in this is a type of God. The covenant made between David and Jonathan is a type of the new covenant that we live under. The new covenant is made between God and Christ. They made the covenant between themselves. God and Christ made the covenant, the new covenant. Good thing it was God and Christ and not God and us. We've already been there, tried that, got the t-shirt. When we make a covenant with God, guess what we do? We break it. Every time, because that's what we are, covenant breakers. We're not like God. We make a covenant, and the only thing that we find out is that we can't keep the covenant because we're not like God. So God, in order to save mankind, because that's really the whole picture here, in order to save mankind, had to make a covenant with himself because he's the only one that won't break it. Right. So if you just go with me here, God had to literally move you out of the way in order to make a covenant. Come on. He had to get rid of you in order to make the covenant, in order to have a covenant that is successful and that will work and that won't be broken. That's why we have the new covenant or the everlasting covenant. Yes. It will never end. Because neither member that made the covenant will die. Amen. That's it. Yeah. Come on now. Jesus, one side, the representative for man. Yeah. Come on. Hallelujah. Will never die. Yeah. Hallelujah. He died, but he was raised from the dead to live forever. He'll never die again. Yeah. God will never die. So it is an everlasting covenant that will never end. It is guaranteed to never end. Praise God. That's what we needed as mankind. That's what we needed. Our first representative was Adam. He blew it. He blew it. There was a, a covenant, and he broke it. And in that covenant, there was just one rule. Don't eat of this tree. And he broke it. He broke a covenant with one law. I want, I want to see it. One law. Right. Not ten commandments. One law. Right. He broke that one. God has never operated in, in the scriptures and with mankind. He's never operated outside of a covenant ever. Yeah. Right. Ever. What we see in, with Moses, the law, that's still a covenant. Right. The covenant of law. Now, why would God give a covenant of law to mankind 
who couldn't even keep the first covenant, which only had one law, and the covenant of law is made up of many laws. Why would you do that? Because hidden in that covenant was the greatest gift that mankind will ever receive. Christ. Yeah. What was really in the covenant, it was a mystery, it was hidden, it was veiled, was right. Christ. The redemption plan of God was hidden right. in the law of the covenant. Covenant of law. Yeah. It was hidden there. Yeah. But what Israel attempted to do was make the covenant of law salvation. Right. And it was never meant to be yeah. salvation right. because the covenant of law was meant to show you that you're lost. That's right. If Adam and Eve, who had a perfect environment, right. no sin nature, failed because they couldn't keep one law, then how much more will we fail? When we have more than one law and we have a fallen world around us, we have the world, the flesh, the devil, and we have a sin nature. Yeah. It's to show us you are lost. Right. You are not like God. That was the whole, that was the main purpose of the covenant of law. And Israel made it into something that God never intended. They did what Paul referred to as using the law unlawfully. They tried to make it what it wasn't. If we do all of this, God will be pleased with us. And if we don't, God's not pleased with us. That was the whole idea. That's, that was what they thought. That was the thought process. If you do this, God's pleased with you. If you don't do it, God is not pleased with you. If you keep all the laws, God's pleased with you. If you don't, he's not pleased with you. But in the covenant, God always made provision because if if God knew that there was no chance for us to keep it, so he made a way. Right. The sacrifice. We make the laws magnified, and it's meant to make the sacrifice magnified. Right. Come on now. That's right. I said we make the, we magnify the laws, and what was meant to be magnified was the sacrifice. Right. Come on now. Yeah. God knew we couldn't keep it, so He made provision. Verse 3 says, And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son which is lame in his feet. Lame in his feet or on his feet is a perfect description of mankind. Perfect description of mankind. Lost. Without God. Yes. We can't walk right. Walk referring to the lifestyle, the way you live. We can't walk right because we're lame. Mankind in Adam is lame. Right. Mankind is lame in the feet. We are spiritually crippled. Yes. 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 We can't walk we are because of the fall we are what's referred to as wicked 
which wicked means twisted. Yeah. Because of the fall, us, all of us, we are twisted. Yeah. We are deformed. We're lame. Verse 4 says, And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So the word Lodabar means the desert place. Lost humanity is in a desert place. No matter the status in this life, no matter the status, the position, the wealth, no matter what, the fame, all, none of those things matter. The way God sees it is if your lost humanity is crippled and in a desert place. Oh, no, they can't be in a desert place. They can't look at they, They're wealthy. No. Desert place. This is what God says. We look at it and say, no, they're doing good. God's with them. No, desert place. Loaded bar. All unsaved people, irrespective of their place, position, status, financial situation, even morality, live in a desert place for they are without the things of God. If you do not have the living waters of the Holy Spirit flowing, desert place, that's yeah. what you have. Right. Desert place. That's right. Yeah, but man, they live a moral life. They don't drink. They don't cuss. They don't do anything. If they are not born again. Yeah. Come on now. If they do not have the living waters flowing, then God sees them as unsaved. They're in a desert place. Right. Man, they're one of the nicest people I know. That doesn't matter. Right. Desert place. Right. Lost. Come on. Verse 5 says, Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. David sent and fetched him. The Lord likewise sends the Holy Spirit yes. to fetch us come on, yes. come on, come that on. he may show us kindness. Yes. Yes. You didn't, if you are born again and saved this morning, you didn't find God. He found you. Yes. He came to get you. He sent his spirit to fetch you yes. in order that he may show you kindness. Come on. He Come might on. pour out his loving kindness yes. upon you. He Hallelujah. searched for you. He left yes. the 99 to get the one. That he might pour out his kindness yes. upon you. That he might pour in yes. the oil and yes. the wine. Hallelujah. That he might pour in Come Hallelujah. on, come on. Hallelujah. The oil of gladness. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. My goodness. <laughs> Good place to shop. <laughs> Good place to shop. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Mm. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. He searched and found me. He sent his spirit to get me when I was lost. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In order that he might show me kindness. Hallelujah. Mm. That he might show me kindness. That he might put on the garment of praise upon my shoulders. Mm. Praise God. I had happiness in life before God. But after, when I got saved, I had joy. Yes. And the joy that lasts forever. My happiness was only circumstantial. That's it. Yes. Things were going good. I was happy. And if it was going bad, <laughs> it was rough. They didn't want to be around me. <coughs> but when he found me, I found joy. And then I found joy unspeakable and full of glory. And it wasn't circumstantial because the actual thing that gave me joy will never change. Yeah. His name is Jesus. And what he did for me at Calvary, that will never change. Praise God. So I have an endless supply of joy. The rains may come. The winds may blow. But there's an endless... Supply. Yeah. Hallelujah. My cupboard is never dry. Yes. It's never barren in Christ. Praise God. I'm not saying things in this life won't go my way. They won't. It rain, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We live in a fallen world. It's time for Christians to grow up. Yes, come on now. And stop expecting the Lord to keep you from every harm. Right. That's how we act. Let's just be real. That's how we, That's how I acted. Preaching my mouth. Just preaching myself. That's how I acted. Lost my job, Lord. How could you allow this to happen? <laughs> Lord, you could have stopped it. Could he have? Yes, he could have. That's it. Yeah. Come on now. And then because I lost my job now, well, the Lord just obviously, you know, just doesn't care about me, Pastor. I, I don't. The Lord just doesn't care, Pastor. I don't know what to do. Did the Lord? The Lord must be against me. Must be sin in my life, Pastor. I'm so sinful, and the Lord allowed my job to be taken. See how the thought process where and the enemy takes that, and the only thing that may be happening is just a test from the Lord to just a test, just like what happened with Job. 
Satan said, well, he only serves you because you gave him all of this stuff. He only serves you because of the blessings. Take those away and he'll curse you. So just maybe the conversation happened in heaven and Satan said, well, God said, have you considered my servant, Robert? Well, how can I? You got a hedge around him, and you get, he only serves you. He only serves you because you, you gave him to be a pastor. He only serves you because he's a pastor. Take that, and he'll curse you. And the Lord, who has confidence, because he knows what his faith is in, his faith is not in being a pastor, it's in Christ and what Christ has done, that even if he took being a pastor, if he took that, then he would still serve me because he doesn't serve me for that. He serves me because of what I've provided in Christ. Come on. Amen. Come on. So then the test comes. But sometimes what it reveals is that our faith is actually in other things. So then when that gets, the Lord allows that to be taken, then we think, well, God, because our faith was actually in that. God's, God's pleased and approved with me because I'm in ministry. And if ministry was gone, then God is obviously not pleased and approved. He's not, he's just not, not pleased with me. He's not happy with me. Otherwise, I'd still be in ministry. Well, no, your faith is in ministry. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. He's not. He's not pleased. God is not more pleased with me because I'm in ministry or less pleased with me if I'm not in ministry. That's right. Same with you. Just because you don't you're not in ministry, you don't stand behind a pulpit or you don't preach it. You may just you just share the gospel over the fence. They say, well, you know, I'm not in, I'm not part of the fivefold calling. So, you know, God's less he's more pleased with pastor than he is with me because, well, you know, pastor is closer to God. He's a pastor. Uh, no, the way to get close to God is faith in Christ. Yeah. You got the same thing. You have the same access. Right. He doesn't have the he doesn't have a direct phone line to God because he's a pastor. He right. has a direct phone line to God because he's in Christ. Yes. Yes. You have the same access. Yes. That's right. Amen. Amen. So verse six says. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of David, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold your servant. So Mephibosheth means the shameful thing. God sees the unsaved person's life as this, the shameful thing. It cannot be otherwise outside of Christ. All things that are outside of Christ are shameful. All things. The walk refers to the life and living. Spiritually speaking, mankind cannot walk or live properly due to the sin nature in us and our weaknesses. The only answer for sin is the cross of Christ. That's it. Whether for cleansing of sin or victory over sin, the answer is still only the cross. God has one way to address sin. It's the cross. Right. So if we attempt to address sin in another way besides the cross, we are wrong. We're going our own way. We're making up our own gospel. Yeah. Right. 
for making up our own redemption plan. Come on now. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, as far as forgiveness of sin, we pretty much, we got a pretty good grasp in the body of Christ that the cross is where our sins can be washed away because that's where the blood was shed. Where we get tripped up is when it comes to victory over sin. Our faith is in so many different things for victory over sin. So I'm struggling with this, Pastor. Well, you know why I need to do what? Well, you, know, you just you need to pray more. You need to pray more. Get closer to God. Read the Word more, and God will give you victory over sin. What you just did was you created a law, yeah. and this is what you told God. Because I'm going to read, let's just say five chapters. Because I'm going to read five chapters a day, you're going to give me victory over this sin. Mm. Well, that's not how it works. God's already provided a way for that's victory it. over sin, and that's not it. Even though we should be in the Word of God, and it is a blessing. See how we just, yeah. we it just gets twisted just a little bit. Well, if I just need to get, I need to pray and get closer to God. And then that'll give me victory over this, whatever it is that I'm struggling with. I, I want victory over it, but I, it's just not, it's like it's still there. And I, want, I don't want it in my life. I want it gone, and it's still there. I need victory over this. So I'll begin to pray and pray and pray. And then I just pray. If I just pray more, and people even tell you, well, you know, maybe the Lord's just trying to work on your prayer life. Try and work on your faith. Right. Come because on, your faith is mixed. Yeah. Yeah. You can't pray enough to get victory over sin. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Right. There's one place that you'll find victory over sin. It's in Christ. Yeah. Right. Well, how do, you, how do you get in Christ? You, faith. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Faith in the person of Christ and the work of Christ. The problem is we don't really understand the cross right. like yeah, we think on. we do. We say, well, the cross is for forgiveness of sins and our salvation, but for most of the church world, that's as far as we go. Okay, well, what about for sanctification? How does the cross come into play for sanctification? Well, we've got to depend upon the Lord, we've got to read, and we've got to pray. Now, that's Christian discipline, as I said. Where does the cross come into play? I'll tell you where it comes into play. Scripture says that when Christ died, you died. You were baptized into Christ. Romans chapter 6 baptized into Christ. When you place your faith in the person of Christ to get for salvation and cleansing, what God did in the, it's in the spiritual realm, but in reality, this is a real this really happened. God took you and placed you into the person of Christ. So when God looks at you when you are in Christ, when Christ was crucified, so were you. That's it. When Christ was buried, so were you. When quite quite when Christ was raised from the dead, so were yes. you. Yes. Amen. Come on. So how does that give me victory? How's that gonna help me with my sin? Because when you were crucified with Christ, you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Before He separated you from the sin nature. The sin nature pours in corruption. 
You were separated from the sin nature through the operation of God. All of this happened like that. And all you did was place your faith in the person and the work of Christ. So now you're free from the sin nature. Scripture also reveals that you've been crucified to the world. Where did that happen? The cross. Right. Because you were crucified with Christ. Buried with him. The flesh, the devil, guess where? The cross. There's no other place to go. Yeah. That's it. That's where you you need victory over sin. You got it already in Christ, in the cross. All you got to do is believe it. Come on now. See, this is where we it just punches us in the gut. If if you struggle, if I'm struggling with sin, I'm gonna use myself as an example. I'm struggling with sin. I go to pastor because pastor got a direct line to the God. <laughs> I'm struggling. I go to pastor. Pastor, I don't. Struggling with this, I need victory. I know it's not right. I need victory over this. And Pastor said, "Well, you you have it in Christ already. Just believe, believe what the Bible, believe what the Word of God says. That in Christ you were baptized into Christ when He was crucified. You were crucified when He was buried. You were buried when He was raised. You were raised unto newness of life. You now live a life that's not controlled by anything except the divine nature." The Holy Spirit. You have that if you just keep your faith in Christ. If you just trust it. You have it. So believe it. And you might be dominated by this sin because your faith is in something else. You just don't really believe that what was done is enough. And then what he just did, which what I feel like is he just punched me in the gut. right? Because now I feel like what Pastor really just said, which is what he said, was that you, you don't believe. No, no, that's not the problem, Pastor. It's not the problem, Pastor. I believe. And just simply by saying you, you just don't believe, your, your faith is weak or it's immature. It needs to be strengthened. Do you really believe that what Christ did is enough? That you don't need anything else to validate you to God? He's already done it for you. That's it. He's already provided victory for you over that. Just trust it, believe it, and depend on it and act like it. Right. Put off, take off the garment of the old man, lay it aside. Put on the new. I like it how Paul said it. Put off the old, put on the new. Right. That thing that you're struggling with, that's a part of the old man. You were, which was what? Crucified in Christ. So put it off. It's been crucified in Christ. Just put it off. Just, just, it's already been taken care of. Just put it off. Well, no. But you have to do something. Yeah. Place your faith. <laughs> See, remember I told you that in the new covenant, God had to get rid of us because we're covenant breakers. Right. So how did he do that? He crucified you in Christ. Right. To basically make you obsolete. Because that's the only way, because we're that mm -hmm. wicked. But it's good news to yes, be dead. Yes. Yeah. Sister, uh, Sister Sharon 
Cornell says that once you just die, you just die, you'll find yourself dancing on your own coffin. <laughs> because it's in death that we find freedom. Come on. It's in death that we find victory. Yes. Let's just keep going. The scripture preaches itself, so we don't have to work so hard. Verse, verse 7. Verse 7 says, And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. He says, fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Um, if you haven't figured it out yet, yeah, I, I am Mephibosheth. <laughs> we are Mephibosheth. We're spiritually lame. We can't walk. Mephibosheth would have never, ever, Mephibosheth would now have his every need met and for his entire family. As well. All of the property that belonged to his father, Jonathan, and his grandfather, Saul, was going to get restored to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything that you lost in Adam. Praise God. Everything that we lost in Adam is restored to us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And it's actually better. Yes. In Adam, we had relationship with God. In Christ, and we lost it in Adam. In Christ, we have it. Again, relationship with God. Peace we lost in Adam. We gain it. It's restored back to us in Christ. Righteousness we lost in Adam. In Christ, it's restored back to us. Amen. Joy we lost in Adam. In Christ, restored back to us. Yeah. Glory. In Adam, we got sickness. In Christ, we get health and wholeness, completeness in Christ. In Adam, brokenness. In Christ, wholeness. In Adam, we had a 
pretty good place. In Christ, so much better. Better. Hebrews, better, better, better. In Christ, better. The promises in Christ are better. The position that you have in Christ is better. In Christ, you have a perfect righteousness. You can't get any more righteous than perfect. There's like a, there's there's a huge list, and right now, to be honest, I just cannot think. The list of everything that we lost in Adam is restored to us again in Christ. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lost in the first Adam, restored in the last Adam. Yeah. Come on. Praise God. Glory to God. All of this was because of the covenant which had been made years before between Jonathan and David. All of the blessings, the benefits, the promises, we all have it because of the covenant that was made. And finalized 2,000 years ago, we're probably over that now, through the cross. It's the right. blood of the covenant. Right. The covenant was made and we can enter into the covenant. Mm-hmm. And it can't be broken because we didn't make the covenant. Right. We just it. get to enter into the covenant. That's it. Right. Glory. Glory. That's right. Freely. Hallelujah. If you didn't do anything to get into the covenant, you can't do anything to get out of the covenant. I don't, I'm not talking about just faith. I'm not talking about faith. I said do. I'm talking about action. Right. You did, there was no action that you performed that got you into the covenant. So there's no action that you can perform that will get you out of the covenant. The only thing that you had to do to get into the covenant was believe upon the person and the work of Christ. So the only thing that you can do to get out of the covenant is to stop believing. Right. Oh, come on now. I don't maybe it's just me. I have. If you lived with me on a daily basis, you would know that if that was true, that I get in and out of the covenant based off of my performance and how I how I do. Uh, then you would know that I would be out a lot more than I'm in. Ask my wife. But. There's a promise, and then there's good news that it's not based off of that. It's based off of that I place my faith in Christ and the cross. So as long as my faith is right there, even though my performance might not be who I want it to be, come on, I'm still in the covenant. That's it. Glory. Glory. He searched to find me. To save me, he won't be letting go that easy. Our salvation is more secure than sometimes we think. Well, I I blew it today, so God's not pleased with me. Okay, did 
you still believe? At the end of the day, did you still believe that what Christ did at the cross was enough? Do you still believe it? Yes, I do. You win. Yes. You win. If you still believe it. Praise God. Peter, you're going to blow it. Right. Come on. That's right. That's what he told you. Peter didn't just say a cuss word, okay? Peter denied the person of Christ. Peter, you are going to fail. That's right. Jesus, the most interesting words, and I'm so thankful that these were the words. He said, I pray that you don't fail, because if you fail, no, he didn't say that. He said, I pray that your faith fail not, Peter. You're going to fail. You are, I'm telling you right now, Peter, you are going to fail. You're going to blow it. You're going to bite off a big piece of stupid. That's right. You're going to deny me, Peter. But I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. Right. Because if your faith doesn't fail, at now. the end of the day, you yes. keep believing yes. that I am who I said I am. Yes. And I, what I've done at Calvary is enough. Yes. You keep believing that. Yes. Then at the end of the day, you win. That's yes. it. That's Hallelujah. it. And when the trump of God sounds, Hallelujah. you'll go. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise God. Because your, as long as your faith doesn't fail. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hold Hallelujah. my mule, Brother Sid. <laughs> The weight that's lifted, <coughs> burdens are lifted at Calvary. The weight that comes off of the shoulders, because I'm not perfect, I'm going to blow it, I'm going to mess up. I'm so glad that the Lord delivers, he, he set us free from that type of bondage. Yeah. It is bondage. Yes, it is. The bondage of perfection. Yes. Right. You aren't. Right. You aren't. Right. We have a perfect salvation plan, a perfect savior for imperfect people. That's it. That's right. Stop magnifying the law and magnify the provision. Glory. Yes, yes. glory. Magnify Hallelujah. the sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Without it, we're hopeless. It's a picture of what the, the covenant and what happens to Mephibosheth is a picture of what the Lord does for us. Because of the new covenant carried out by Christ, the restoration of all things lost for those who will trust in Christ and the covenant he has carried out. Verse 8. Got to hurry. It says, and he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that I should, that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Mephibosheth did, uh, he did what was and still is the hardest thing for mankind to do. Admit that we are spiritually crippled, deformed, and unable to help ourselves. Yeah. We, we have uh, pride. 
just really keeps us from admitting that we can't do it. The Pharisees boasted that they kept the law. And they took pride in that they kept the law. And Jesus blew it out of the water. No, you haven't. And everybody thought the Pharisees did. So when Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, you, don't, you, you can't make it. You won't make it. Well, who? That's impossible. Yeah, you're right, because they can't even do it. Their righteousness that they claim to have, they don't. They don't. The only way to get it is in Christ. That's right. it. The one thing that we as mankind, especially born-again Christians, deal with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is we will not admit that we still can't do it. We still can't do it. It's not that the desire isn't there. It's there, and it should be there. That's a good that's evidence that you are saved. The desire to live right. That's it. Evidence that you're saved. Romans chapter 7. Paul, born again, saved. Filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, no, brother. That's whenever. that Romans chapter 7 is before Christ. I mean, before Paul was saved. No, no. Read what Paul says. Paul said, I do the thing that I do not want to do. That's if you're it. not saved, you have no desire to live for God. Yeah, that's true. Come on now. So that can't, can't be. He doesn't want to sin. If you're not saved, that you don't think about it. Let's be honest. You have no thoughts about what you just dealt with. Paul's saved. He's saying, the thing I want to do, I, I can't do. I want to live right. I want to keep the law perfectly. But I can't. And Paul still had the mindset that if I don't, I'm lost. And then he got to the point where he finally admitted, just like Mephibosheth, oh, wretched man that I am. I can't do it. Who is going to deliver me from this body? And then the Lord finally gets him to the place he needs him to get by seeing, dude, I'm just like Mephibosheth, dude. I'm handicapped, crippled. I can't do this. This is impossible. You're right. It is. Ding, ding, ding. You've now made it to the starting line. <laughs> and it says, well, I thank my God. In, in Christ. And then the light bulb goes off. He's provided. Yes. I never could to begin with, and I still can't now, but he's, he's provided. provided. He's, he provided then. In the sacrificial system, and if the sacrificial system was just a picture and a type of Christ, he's provided. Yes. Mm. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 10 through 11. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him, and you shall bring in the fruits that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba, then, then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so shall your servants do. 
As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. So in verses 10 through 11, we see restoration first. We've talked about that. Then we see productivity, fruit bearing, and then fellowship. So we see productivity, fruit bearing. Mephibosheth is going to bear fruit. How is he doing that? He's resting at the table of the Lord. He's resting in Christ. And because he's just resting in Christ, because we just rest in what Christ has done, fruit, productivity happens when we do that. Mephibosheth didn't do anything. He's lame. He's crippled. He didn't do, Mephibosheth didn't do anything to cause productivity or fruit to be born. He didn't do anything. He can't. All he can do is rest at the table. That's all he can do. That's right. All we can do is rest in Christ, yeah. just at the table. If I just rest in Christ, if I just keep my faith in Christ and what he's done, then the Holy Spirit is going to bear fruit. He'll do the work. That's it. Amen. Hallelujah. He'll do the work. It's not my job to bear fruit. It's my job to believe. That's all our job is. Just believe. Have faith. Believe. God takes care of the rest. That's it. I need victory over this. Have faith. Believe. God will take care of the rest. He is the sanctifier. Amen. I want to see fruit. I want to, I want to bear fruit. Have faith and believe in the person and the work of Christ. And he'll bear the fruit. That's yes. it. And in Christ which is a type of the, the promised land, is a type of being in Christ, they said that the fruit was so big. It took two of them to carry back some grapes on a stick. In Christ, the fruit of the Spirit it's like nothing you've ever seen before. You just believe, trust, keep your faith in the person and the work of Christ. What he's already done, what he's already provided for you. Keep your faith right there and he will bear fruit. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I just, I'm just I'm telling myself right here. Anytime. That I catch an attitude with my wife. <laughs> it's not her fault. That's me. And the first thing that I check, is my faith actually in Christ right now? Because the fruit of the Spirit is patience, love, peace, joy, kindness. Goodness, faithfulness. So if the fruit that's being shown is actually more like what lines up with the list that we get from Paul when it talks about fruit of the flesh, then I need to check what my faith is in because no uh, good tree will bear bad fruit and no bad tree 
bears good fruit. So if I'm seeing uh, the fruit of the flesh, then my faith is not in the right thing, and that's what needs to be addressed. Yes. Yes. If I'm seeing fruit of the Spirit, my faith is in the right thing. <laughs> so who's... Check my faith. Not, oh, I'm just having a rough day. That's not an excuse. My faith is in, has been moved. I've allowed it to be moved. Faith in Christ is not a one-time deal. Right. This is daily. Take right. up your cross daily. Right. Faith in what Christ has done and dependence upon it is daily. And actually, it's moment by moment, breath by breath. It's a lifestyle. Yes, right. it is. Notice that Mephibosheth didn't do I said that, didn't do anything to cause the productivity. Likewise, we cannot do anything either. We can only keep our faith and dependence in the person of Christ and the work of the cross. And we do this as we do this. Fruit bearing happens. Verse thirteen, and we will be done. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table. And was lame on both feet. Now, the Holy Spirit reminds us in verse 13 that all of the blessings, none were merited by Mephibosheth. Right. Right. Because the way that it ends the whole chapter is and was lame on both his feet. So it shows that it is all of grace. can be earned. We can earn nothing with God. That's really what we talked about earlier about creating laws. What we're basically saying is I'm going to work enough for God to give me victory. You can't. If you do that, it's not of grace. Grace is a free gift. That's it. Yeah. That's right. I'm so thankful. That is by grace. Yeah. I'm so thankful that I can get my eyes off of myself. Yeah. And just be, just be, just be real. That I can get my eyes off of myself, my failures, which I'm gonna have them. My failures, my sinfulness, my me, me, me. I can get my eyes off of me. I'm not gonna do it perfectly. I'm not gonna be the perfect husband. I'm not gonna be the perfect man. I'm not going to be the perfect servant. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to react perfectly in every situation. I'm going to blow it. I'm going to bite off a big piece of stupid. In me is the potential for anything and everything. I am not God. But there's one. He's made provision. So I can say that when I am weak, then I am strong. Because whenever I see my weakness, my inability, I find his ability. Because I begin to lean on what he's done instead of what I can do. So when I am weak, then and only then am I strong. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. When I am weak, 
then I'm, I'm so thankful for the new covenant. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that it's just by faith that I can enter into the covenant. I'm so thankful that it's an everlasting covenant that can never be broken because neither member that made the covenant will die. I'm so thankful for his grace and his mercy. I need it. I'm lame. I'm Mephibosheth. I need his grace and his mercy, and it is there. All I've got to do is take it by faith. It's there. But I can't have that and self. I can't have it God's way and my way. You can't live under both covenants. That's right. That's true. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I'm going to just pray, close it like that, and you can come up. I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord God, this morning. Lord, we thank you for your grace. And for your mercy, Lord, thank you for the new covenant, Father God. Thank you for your loving kindnesses, Lord, your compassions. They fail not, Lord. They're new every morning, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that the work of Calvary is everlasting to everlasting, Lord. Thank you that we have access to you because of Christ, because of what he has done, Lord. Thank you that you've given us a position that we can never attain ourselves. You've given us the greatest position of all in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we are seated at the right hand of the Father. Lord, we thank you for everything that we have in Christ. Lord, thank you for victory over sin. Lord, in its entirety, thank you that we can have our sins forgiven and washed, cleansing by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, that you've thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness, Lord, as though they've never happened. Lord, you've given us justification by faith, Lord, just as if we've never sinned. That's how you see us in Christ. Lord, we thank you for that, Father God. Thank you that sin shall not have dominion over us. We don't have to be dominated by sin because of Calvary, because of the new covenant, Lord God. Thank you that we can have peace with you, the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit because of Calvary. Thank you, Lord, that everything that we have that is good is because of the covenant, the new covenant, because of Calvary. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Make it more real to us, Lord, that we might walk in it on a daily basis, Lord. Pour in the oil of gladness, oh God. Do it, Father. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for the new covenant, oh God. You are so wonderful. You are so good to us, Lord. We love you, Lord. We just thank you. We say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, praise God. Would you stand with me, please? That was a good word. Full of 